Hello, I'm Michael Barr. And I'm Scott Soshnick. On this weekly podcast, we explore the big money issues in the world of sports and talk to some of the biggest players in the industry. On this week's show, we talk with the president of the New York Yankees, Randy Levine. But first, let's look at the top stories of the week. Joining us is Bloomberg Business of Sports reporter Eben Novi williams Let's start with Aaron Judge. All rise. I'm, I'm Lots sorry, of John Lots of Sterling, stuff. but that's just a great line. Anyway, he is switching from Under Armour to Adidas, as they call it in New York Yankees, in the Yankee Stadium area, or Adidas, wherever you are. Uh, your thoughts about that? This is uh, He just won the Rookie of the Year award last year, and now uh, he's getting big money to switch. All throughout his breakout campaign last year, Aaron Judge said that he was not focusing on the off-field stuff, the endorsements, even though I'm sure tons of companies were asking until the offseason. This is not his first deal of the offseason. It is clear at this point that Aaron Judge is a bona fide marketing superstar in in baseball. And obviously, if you're Adidas, uh, this is a pretty nice signing. What is it? Wristbands, cleats? Gloves, I believe, as well. It's a loss for Under Armour. If you're in baseball... If you want to be in baseball right now, you want who? Bryce Harper? Aaron Judge? One and two? Maybe you can. Well, you, you might want Bryce around. Harper. He's in a contract. Here. Well, well, yeah, you might want Bryce. <laughs> but he is the face, the name. Now he's playing with Stanton. If they're winning, Judge is the place to be. And that's a, that's a good thing for Adidas and a loss for Under Armour because. He is not only the mythically big, this guy is the Ruthian figure of baseball right now. And if you want to continue that train of thought, uh, other superstars, young guys that you would want in your stable, uh, Chris Bryant and Carlos Correa of the Cubs and the Astros, those are the other two guys in Adidas' stable. So look at all the young stars, the young talent in baseball right now. Three of the biggest names, if not the biggest names, are all part of the Adidas group. I'm telling you right now, if they had a poster... And Carlos Correa was next to Judge. I'd be like, "Who's that?" How many batting gloves did you buy last last year? Uh, for my son, I bought some batting gloves, okay. and none of them will be the Carlos Correa model. I can tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on to another topic. Speaking of baseball, a Marlins man sent a check for two hundred thousand dollars for season tickets. Yeah, I'm not sure where yet I come down on this. This guy. I mean, he's just promotes himself. He goes around with the bright orange, and he sits behind home plate. So he wanted to lock up like three seasons worth of season tickets, and and Jeter and the Marlins said, "No, thank you. We don't do that. We don't go out that far." So what what was the purpose of this first strike that of him sending this letter, and then maybe going public? I, I just don't get what the purpose of it was. I, I don't get what any of this is. It's like, why would he do it? Well, he likes attention. Clearly, he likes attention. Yeah, I think this is also partially a leverage play, right? Being able to, to play his celebrity into getting what he thought was a was a deal that was worth worth signing. I feel as though we talk about hard knocks in, in, in football. There needs to be a baseball offseason reality show, and I'm nominating the Marlins uh, to be that one. I would love to see more about what's going on behind the scenes right now well, as Randy with said, this yeah. new ownership group uh, and fans as they're trying to adjust to the new reality. Loria was so disliked by so many. Jeter's first couple months have been... Difficult. Uh, yeah, difficult is a, is, is a good word. Between Marlins man and, and everything else that's going on there, I'm ready for the reality show. Sign me up right now. I, I still don't get it, but hey, it, whatever, man. 
Good for you. Anyway, uh, let's talk about the Masters. It is coming up. By the way, I want to add this too. The Masters, you can hear right here on your local Bloomberg station beginning this Thursday, starting at 4.15 Eastern time. The Masters in Augusta, Georgia, uh, hometown of uh, my mother's, and I I love this place. I I wish to goodness that uh, they had a bigger field, but they don't. In fact, it's the smallest field in, what, 21 years? What a segue. Well, your mo- what, your mother's? Yeah, it was mom's hometown. I'm not really sure where we were going there. It was mom. It's mom's hometown. So every okay. year I'd go down to Augusta, Georgia. Okay. And you'd drive right by uh, Some people know, actually Augusta drive National. in. Yeah, I I drive right by. <laughs> you know there's a municipal course right down the road. That's I guess the one I, I played. <laughs> <laughs> That's where I had to go. Okay, okay, I got you. But yeah, why is it the smallest field? I don't, Evan, why is it the smallest field? You In totally, 21 years. totally got me. I, I could have been our know. number of the week. Yeah, it could have been. But <laughs> we have another number. But, but, but Tiger Woods is there, and he's playing well. So does it matter? It's the Masters. Tiger's playing well. People will watch. I mean, that's what they need. Will Tiger win? Will he win? Well, I bet you Vegas probably has more bets on Tiger than anybody else. Yeah, he's the he's the odds-on favorite right now in Vegas, but that is more a product of the fact that every Joe who likes to bet sees Tiger Woods' name and, and decides to put some money down on him. It's not really indicative of, of how he's playing right now. He, I mean, I, do any of you guys know the last tournament he won? It's been it's been a very long time. Well, he almost won, what, a couple of weeks ago? Sure. He yeah. came close. Right. You know, trending positively, we'll say. He's, sure. Yeah, trending positively. So it's it could happen. By the way, I think TV rating is going to be through the roof because Tiger is playing. Uh, if he's there on Saturday and Sunday, yes. Yes, well, we'll see. And, Scott, you can hear the Masters on your local Bloomberg station beginning this Thursday at 4.15 Eastern. Our thanks to Bloomberg Business of Sports reporter Eben Novi-Williams. Now let's get to this week's interview with Randy Levine. He is the president of the New York Yankees since January of 2000. In 2007, he was named number 77 in Business Week's list of the 100 most influential people in sports. He has also won Emmy Awards as executive producer for Yes Network's Forbes Sports Money Show. Randy, thanks for joining us. Thank you very much. Randy, new season... Do you still get excited like you used to uh, when you're going into the opening part of a season? Yes, I get excited every season, but I'm especially excited for this year because uh, I think uh, we have a really, really good team, a team that can be very competitive, a possible championship team. Uh, we have some really, really great young players who are starting to come into their own. Uh, we have uh, some new additions, including uh, Giancarlo Stanton, the National League MVP. So uh, this season holds a lot of promise, and I'm very excited about it. You know what I keep getting in my email inbox from the Yes Network? Record ratings, record spring. There is clearly a lot of interest in what's going on in the Bronx. I think so. I, you know, I make it my business. I, I try and walk around the city, talk to people, and I actually have not seen this kind of buzz in the city, this kind of excitement. People uh, pumped. Uh, 
in a really long time. You know, it's actually almost uh, even exceeding, you know, the the early years, uh, the great core four teams in, uh, in the mid-90s. So people are excited. I think uh, our baseball, Brian Cashman, our baseball operations people have done an incredible job. Our player development people, you know, turning this team around in a record short time. And uh, so you have to play the games, and there's always a little nervousness because, uh, you know, there are many years you look good in the winter on paper, and it doesn't uh, doesn't produce. I mean, there have been years where teams, uh, we didn't think we'd be that successful. We were extraordinarily successful, and teams, uh, everyone in the world thought would be uh, championship teams didn't pan out. So we have to play the games, but I think we have a great team, a lot of promise, and I think the whole city is really excited. And uh, if you look at our spring training uh, games, our television ratings were, were literally off the charts, you know, set all kind of records. So there's a real excitement, a real buzz, and now the guys got to go out there and win the games. Usually when you think of the Yankees, you think of their payroll as either the highest or second highest. And I'm saying this as a compliment. This season, it's the seventh highest, and you have a team that can, forgive the pun, knock it out of the park. How do you build a team and and you've cut back on the payroll like that? Well, that was, uh, you know, clearly part of the plan. Uh Basically, uh, we have a lot, a lot of young players. The way it works under the basic agreement is where the real costly contracts come uh, are in, in free agency. And we have a lot of young players which are less uh, expensive. So uh, it, it took a, a lot of planning, a lot of thought. And, uh, you know, there are tremendous financial benefits from that. Uh, we, for the first time in history, uh, we will not be paying any luxury tax this year, which has cost us a lot, a lot of money through the years. That doesn't even and, sound right, Randy. The yeah. New York Yankees are not luxury tax payers? <laughs> That's right. That's right. And, you know, as seen, you know, Hal Steinbrenner has said over and over again, and as you see, you know, you don't need a 200 and $30 million payroll to win the World Series. And uh, I think the game has transitioned to younger players today. I think uh, in light of uh, all the steroid years, there's more of an emphasis on younger players and analytics. So uh, that's where we've gone. And uh, hopefully uh, you're building a future, you know, just like we did in the 90s with homegrown players that can sustain itself over a long period of time. You mentioned analytics. How does that play a role, not just with your team, but any team trying to build a championship season? I think it's all over baseball, just like it's all over industry today. You know, the the advent of technology has made it very, very easy to evaluate players, evaluate situations, try and predict things that are going to happen. So it's a very important tool that baseball people use, and we use it on the business side also in order to, to be the most productive and to get the most uh, out of everything that we're doing. I mean, the technology's there, the, the, the pieces are there, and uh, you have a lot, a lot of smart young executives who are very savvy in this area right now so uh, it's important and uh, it's really fun to watch sometimes because you know baseball 
like anything, is an art, not a science. So sometimes it's uh, it's fun to watch the debates between the analytic people and the old baseball scouts who, you know, are the adage, you know, believe what your eyes tell you. <laughs> yeah, they, no longer is it just he's a five-tool player. Now you better show me. I want some proof in, in, right. in the numbers. We are chatting That's with right. Randy Levine, the president of the Yankees. And, Randy, you mentioned that you use the analytics on the business side as well. Can, can you open the curtain a little bit and let us know how you utilize the data analytics for your business operations? We do it, you know, in a way that, uh, you know, many businesses do. You know, we, we, we try and find out who our consumer is, who likes entertainment, who likes sports, who likes baseball, you know. Um, what means do they watch the games? Do they watch it? You know, on their phones, which more and more streaming is becoming much more popular. That they watch it on cable TV. What are their viewing habits? Same thing with radio. Same thing with sponsors. You know, which sponsors make sense for us because their audience is our audience. So we use it all over the place to try and, in effect, find opportunities that are successful for both us and whether it be a, a sponsor or a fan a season ticket holder a viewer uh, anything that we do how much do you know about your customers when they walk through the gate what do you want to know about them well we you know obviously we're not facebook or any of these folks we don't know <laughs> we don't know you know we don't know you know everything about their life but uh, we know you know how many times they watch a baseball game hopefully you know uh, where do they like to sit what do they like to eat uh, you know not individualized but in 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 broad demographic ends um how many times uh, did they go to the game? So, we, you know, we try and get as much information as we can, but, you know, we're not one of these uh, uh, people who try and, you know, drive up, you know, very personal or specific uh, information. You know, there's no surveillance on our fans. When people go to Yankee Stadium this season, what is something different that they're going to see? Well, hopefully the, the most important thing is they're going to see a really exciting team. And every year, you know, we change the stadium. We try and, just for the reasons I just described, you know, put put sections of the stadium in a way that are more friendly to certain types of fans. I mean, the best example was last year. We changed the entire center field area. <laughs> it was one of the things we did. We made it, you know, very social, very fan-friendly, um, because we've noticed that... A lot of millennials and people like that, not only that they enjoy the game, they really, really like, you know, the social aspect of it. And they, you know, like taking selfies of them at the game. So we've included all of that. And it was a it was a huge success. You know, we've built on it. We've built more areas where families can bring their kids and enjoy themselves. We brought, you know, a lot, a lot of different entertainment venues. And then as I said yesterday, you know, for guys my age who kind of like to just sit and watch the game a little more, you know, you have plenty of sections like that where you can just really sit down, you have food service at your seats, and you, you don't have to miss a pitch. I was giggling because I was also thinking of the judges' chamber for your superstar Aaron Judge. That, that young man has really come along. Obviously, he won the AO Rookie of the Year award last season. This season, uh, what do you expect from him? 
Well, he, he is a incredible person, and that's the most important thing. I mean, his parents raised him right. He is a very, very great skilled player, but more important, he's a great kid. He understands who he is. He's handled everything. And I think uh, his talent is uh, you're just starting to see it surface. Uh, he's a very young player, one year in the in the major leagues when the season started last year in spring training. It wasn't even a sure bet that he was going to be the starting right fielder. Uh, he played through injuries. So I think his talent is overwhelming. And as he gets more and more experience and plays more games, I think he's going to be one of the great players. And more important, his his character is um, is such that uh, you know he proved he can play in New York. He can handle you know the fame. He can handle the adulation and understand you know he's got to do his business and and play hard. So we expect great things from him. And he's he's just a terrific terrific kid. As are all the young players on our team. They're really good kids. You're right. It's a little thing, but it's a big thing. In a couple of games that I went to, we sat in right field because that's where my eight-year-old wanted to sit. And kids would be yelling, hey, Aaron, how many outs are there? And he would sort of put his fingers up and let him know two outs. He would respond and actually partake and play with the fans. That's a little thing, but that's a big thing. No, it is. I mean, he's just a wonderful, wonderful person. He he is so charming and so... Uh, humble and uh, he gets it you know i mean he just gets it he gets it that you know he's a star in the biggest franchise uh, most successful sports franchise in the world and he appreciates the fans their support of him and he uh he he'll talk to anybody he's just a great great kid and as you know randy our audience is global should our listeners in london start buying their jerseys and packing their gloves to see the yankees and the red sox play well, we've been working on that for a long time. Um, uh, there is nothing concluded, but I am very, very hopeful that something will get finalized very soon where uh, there'll be two games in London and uh, with us and the Red Sox, and I think it'll be a great platform to take the game, uh, as we're trying to do globally, to take it to Europe. I think it'll be really, really exciting. It isn't often, though, when the leagues send the best. It really makes a statement as to what baseball is trying to accomplish. I think, you know, London is a great international city. Um, obviously, baseball is not a big sport in Europe. So if you're going to make an impact, it's our feeling. You send the best that you have and you put on the best show that you can possibly put on. Uh, you know, drive as much interest as you can and really try and make a statement. And if it's successful here, I'm sure it will not be the last game that's played in London. We're speaking with Randy Levine, the president of the New York Yankees. Turner Sports came up with an idea. They're streaming portions of an NBA game for a discounted price. And I was wondering, that could work very well for baseball also. Can I get your thoughts? I wasn't aware of that. Uh, I, I, I didn't see that. But, you know, there's so much going on now. You know, the world shifting uh, from cable TV to, to over the top and, and streaming. So that's something that we're all looking at carefully. You know, not only the teams, the league, but all our distribution partners. But I'm, I was unaware of that. So uh, I know baseball does. MLB.com does. uh 
put a lot of uh, video highlights of games, you know, uh, uh, through the years. But I'd actually have to look into that because I'm not familiar with that uh, Turner uh, transaction. Well, you know, baseball does skew older generally on the linear TV, but the attempts are there. They're, they're being made. Baseball recently did a deal with Facebook where you'll have afternoon games on exclusively, and that's the important part here. It's exclusive. This is the first of the big four leagues to exclusively put games on a social network. Let, let's face it, this is not where I or Michael or you are watching our games. This is about getting younger kids. Oh, there's no question about it. I mean, you know, if you look at the evidence today, you know, younger people, you know, they're on their phone. They watch games on their phone or on their, you know, iPads or whatever device they have, much less on uh, on television. You know, a lot of them don't even have hard phones, so the old triple play isn't as appealing to some of those people. So the world is changing, and we have to change with it. And, uh, you know, the commissioner has made a real, real effort to try and reach young people through, you know, the play ball program and our academy program and partnerships with Little League. Uh, you know, we had a game in Williamsport last year. So, I mean, it's very obvious the best way that you can develop somebody as a fan if somebody played the game. And we are doing everything we can to encourage young kids to play the game, to get people who don't have access to fields or equipment that access because that's the case. And we've seen some really, really great results. Uh, it seems like young people are really responding. So uh, we're working hard on that. And also, as you know, as the world becomes very faster, you know, there are uh, attention span issues. And, you know, we're working very hard to try and also see if we can shave, you know, five to ten minutes off of uh, some games. You know, it's a real debate. The, the purists, and including me sometimes, you know, that's the beauty of baseball. There's no clock. You just play it out. But, you know, for young fans and young people, you know, sometimes four-hour games are just too much. So we're working on all aspects to try to make the game more appealing and more entertaining and more uh, easily consumed by uh, all generations of fans. What do the revenue projections look like right now? Well, we never get into specific revenue project, uh, projections. All I can tell you is uh, we are having a great year. You know, all of our revenue streams from ticket sales to sponsorships to our merchandise, uh, all of them are uh, based on performance from last year are way up. We're speaking with Randy Levine, the president of the New York Yankees. And in your past, you used to be involved with labor negotiations. How did that transfer to your current job, obviously, as president of the New York Yankees? You know, I've always believed that uh, labor relations is, when it comes down to it, it's dealing with people and dealing with people's problems and trying to make things a little bit better for uh, for everybody. And when you... You take that into an executive position, really, you know, it's the same thing. So I think the key to, to being somebody who's been in labor relations is understanding people, understanding, you know, trying to listen to their problems, have them listen to your problems or issues, and try and, you know, understand that there's no perfect solutions, that there has to be compromise, that... 
in the transactional world, people come at things from different ways, and the idea is to get to a place that everybody's happy or minimally unhappy. And I think, you know, the training and employment litigation or labor relations or collective bargaining or any of those kind of disciplines gives you that kind of background and experience. Hey, Randy, earlier you mentioned the core four. That's Posada, Pettit, Rivera, and, of course, Derek Jeter. I know he's uh, far down south now, but your thoughts on how things are going for Jeter with the Miami Marlins? Well, Derek Jeter is somebody who has been extraordinarily successful in anything he does, and I'm convinced he will be extraordinarily successful in, in this endeavor. You know, he's a really, really smart man. He has got a little bit of magic to him. It's a very, very difficult situation down there. Uh, that market has had uh, issues for a, a very, very long time. And... Uh, uh, I think uh, they have a plan, and I think they have to be given time to see if they can execute the plan. I know Derek is committed, and uh, you know I would never bet against Derek Jeter in anything. He did something that was interesting. He actually held a town hall of sorts with people who had concerns about the team. Uh, that's something I, I haven't seen that uh, in sports anywhere. We do it all the time. I mean, it's a really good idea because, you know, we do it several times a year. You know, Hal Steinbrenner will come up or some of our other executives or Brian Cashman and, you know, hear from the fans. I mean, they're the ones who are out there, and it's important to get uh, their perspective. So I think that was a very smart move on his behalf. If you're accessible, if you're uh, listening, uh, people appreciate that. I know we're uh, we're in the baseball season here. I just want to pivot one second, Randy, as we're closing up to NYCFC. What's the stadium situation? Another MLS season just started. That team, again, part owned by the Yankees, looking for a soccer-only facility. Not the easiest thing in the world to get an arena built in New York. We've been looking around. Uh, there are some uh, promising uh, sites uh, that we're, uh, we're honing in on. So uh, there's nothing to report now, but um, maybe over the next several months, uh, one or two of these situations will come into into more focus. I mean, uh, New York City Football Club has uh, been incredibly successful over the last several years. Uh, got off to a great start this year. You know, we're partners with City Football Group, which owns uh, Manchester City, great, great Premier League team. And they really get it when it comes to soccer. Uh, they're committed to it, as are we. So I'm confident, you know, in the next several months, as far as uh, land for a soccer stadium, uh, something will develop. But as of now, there is nothing on the front burner. Okay, and lastly for you, have you heard some of the nicknames that they're talking about for this lineup this year? Any of them reach your ears? I, I saw the article in the New York Post, okay. Mount Crushmore. Mount Crushmore. <laughs> I like I that. Saw, I, saw, I saw a few of them. They were very, very, very creative. I half expected creative. the Yankees to trademark them. I could see that on a T-shirt. That, uh, that would well, sell. We, we'll look at it. We'll look at it. You know, we, we, you know, I remember a couple of years ago when we had uh, uh, Dylan Batances and uh, Andrew Miller and, of course, Araldus Chapman. Uh, we went to the... Uh, 
the uh, the old great rap group uh, Run DMC. Mm-hmm. You know, we used their initials, and we had T-shirts and hats made. You know, because these guys were great together in the bullpen. No runs, the MC, and the thing sold out. So we're always looking for creative ideas. I'm in for my usual uh, point on the net, right? That's right. <laughs> See, <laughs> That's my angle. <laughs> I'm going. I want to have the Big Bang Theory. That's what I want. That's taken. I like that. That's good too. I licensing, like that. <laughs> licensing issues, no good. No. Randy Levine, president of the Yankees. Thank you very much for joining us. Always a pleasure to be with you guys. Thank you very much. Takeaways from Randy Levine. I always think about the New York Yankees as just money just oozing out from all over the place. And this year, they're the seventh highest on the payroll, and they're knocking it out of the park, as I said earlier, that uh, they have a super dynamite team, and they have rebuilt to this point. Yeah, You know I love you, Bar, right? And I, and I always joke, and it's, but, all, it's all in jest. No, I love it when you, when you said, you know, Jeter's meeting with fans, kind of town hall. And you were like, I- I've never heard of that. I haven't. And Randy's like, we do it all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I, that, that, you know, I, I think the difference is is that when Jeter does it, it, I, it, I mean, it's all over the wires and everything because it's a new team and he's trying to reshape it. The Yankees, like you said, they do it all the time. My takeaway is that the Yankees are primed for something this year. The, I think they thought maybe this would be the year they'd build up to it, but everything happened a year early. The emergence of Aaron Judge, then they get Stanton. They have the, this is really a little ahead of schedule, and everything's firing. This this could be a cash register year for the New York Yankees. My goal is to be the number one pick. That's something I've been dreaming of since the kids. It feels better to be number one than number five. I wear the number because of Mike. We have a chance to go for three in a row. Good numbers at a good time. When I first started wearing that number, I was just happy and proud. Bloomberg Business of Sports, the number of the week. Time now for the number of the week. This is hard. You won't get this. I don't get it when it's easy. So, <laughs> like. I will say this, $30. What's more than what Scott has in his pocket? <laughs> is that we doing that? Uh, close, but. What's 30 bucks? That's the cost of the new book about Tiger Woods. And I didn't know there was a new book about this. It's a brand new book that's out, and it's called Tiger Woods by out by Simon & Schuster. And what are we it, delving into? It's a new biography, and it traces, as they say, the human cost of being Tiger Woods. Oh, okay. And you talk about his life, and it's and I saw a copy upstairs, and I stole it, and uh, I shouldn't have said that. You borrowed but it? I, I, yeah, I borrowed permanently. It. <laughs> permanently, but it looks like it's a very good book, and I got through a few pages. Tiger's interesting again, and because he's winning, but he's on the leaderboard on Sunday, and we've got Augusta coming up. This this really makes golf fun. I mean, I, I actually tune in when I see Tiger's got a shot. He's one behind, and he's on 16. I watch, and I don't watch for others. That's a problem for golf. They've got to figure this out. That it's, It still can't be just Tiger Woods. You've been listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports. We are here each and every week at the same time exploring the world of money and sports. I'm Michael Barr. And I'm Scott Soschnick. Thanks for joining us. Please tune in next week when we speak with the biggest and brightest in the sports business industry. You're listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports from Bloomberg Radio around the world and online as an Apple podcast on iTunes. 